Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? It's a day of days. This is one of those days where we've recorded multiple podcasts and not just Greatest Gen in yeah. one day. Yeah. Do you I'm, find uh, that the reps help? This being the last of the several reps we're taking today. Yeah, well, we decided to record just one and not two Greatest Gens today, which I'm very relieved about because I, uh, I also had a long conference call, so I'm feeling a little a little talked out, but uh, you, uh, I'm going to rally for this. Get that sweaty phone thing that a long yeah. conference call gives? Uh, sweaty earbud, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, gross. You don't want to smell those buds, Ben. No. Those aren't the buds you want to smell, is what I'm saying. Those aren't the buds you're looking for. <laughs> hey, Adam. Um, now, I don't know nothing, but I know that we have a post office box. Uh, yeah, we do. Have you checked that recently? Indeed, I have. Ben, I even checked it today. Dang. Would you like to see what I found? What in it? Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. We got uh, we got a poster tube from friend of the podcast, Ann Kilzer. Oh, the great Ann Kilzer. Ann Kilzer sent us sends us so much stuff that she does not need to ask what our address is anymore. <laughs> she just sends. And part of the reason that I said it like that was because what she sent included no note of explanation. <laughs> the first thing uh, requires no explanation. She sent us the official cruise poster from Whoa. Star Trek The Cruise 2, and it is made up like a Star Trek poster. It's got all the all the people who are on the cruise t- all together, and they and it spans all the shows. So this is like a movie poster with Sulu out front, but also... Uh, Kira and Q and Worf and Riker and wow. uh, Robert Picardo and cool. Jordy, like it's uh, it's pretty great, and yeah. it's and it's like a movie poster because it's got the the little credits at the bottom. Yeah, that includes a credit for uh, the Norwegian Jade, which is the name <laughs> of the cruise ship. <laughs> got to get cool. on that boat sometime, Ben. I know. We'll do uh, it the, the oh, thing I'm looking that at a, I, at a snap of uh, somebody's trying to move a Star Trek The Cruise 2 poster on eBay, so oh, a yeah? photo of, of what's on it. It's a oh, nice, nice. I'm poster, glad you Adam. get to see it. Yeah, it's real classy. Uh, not that I would sell it, but if I had to sell it, Ben, how much is it going for on eBay? Let's see. I'm clicking... I clicked the... I found it on Google Image, and when I click it, it's just hmm. a list of Star Trek swag, so maybe it already sold, and I missed... Well, keep that eBay window open, Ben, because uh, the tube included some things inside the tube, which was very efficient packing by Anne. We, what we have here are are two pins. They are uh, they're communicator esque pins, uh, and they say "fully functional" on them. <laughs> one for you and one for me. Cool. 
which is very cool. But uh, the final one, the final group of items that she sent is what I need the explanation for, Ben. What we have are four half bumper sticker size stickers, okay? So they're like keep Tahoe blue size? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a single word on each one of these, black <laughs> background, white white font, okay? And this is like uh, this is like Helvetica. It's like you'll recognize these when I show them to you. Oh, like, uh, like the meme we got in trouble for using on a tour t-shirt. Oh, that's it exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a, that was crazy. Uh, dick, vagina, <laughs> fuck, and shit are the four stickers. And wow, where did your head cannon go with these bumper stickers? Because I'm thinking like. When you're on the cruise ship, is do you do you put your sticker on your door and then that's oh, what you're into? Yeah. Or uh, this, this or, is the poopy room. <laughs> yeah, like welcome to the dick deck. Yeah, welcome to uh, welcome to stateroom four sixteen, or as we call it, the pach. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think I might want to follow up with Anne on where exactly <laughs> these half bumps came from. Because I have so many questions. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sending those, Anne. Anne always sends the best gifts. Yeah, she's really great. Uh, Big fan of the show, as as we are big fans of hers. Uh, She just moved out there to Japan, and I am hoping that that through uh, through her great ability to make friends, that that can be a future tour stop. Because, God damn it, Ben, I want to go back to Tokyo so bad. That place is so great. Like, what a crazy time to move there, too. Like, two years before the Olympics? Yeah. It's going to be bonkers. It's going to be bonksonks. Let's try to get there before the Olympics, huh? Yeah. Or during, you know. We could could get good at something in between now and then, right? The greatest Olympics podcast? I I mean, I'm just spitballing, Ben. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing we could do. Oh, the uh, number of times really... a week Adam texts me an idea for a podcast it's really <laughs> it's really gone up lately. <laughs> that really that really explains the crickets that I heard in my own head <laughs> that filled that that silent space after I offered yeah. that to you. Yeah. Uh, well, All you... I'm saying is I think we could do a tight fifteen on the triple jump. Yeah, I, I I can think of at least seven and a half, and you can fill in the rest. I can do that. Adam, do you want to get into some Star Trek Deep Space Nine? I sure do. And uh, you can tell which show we did this morning by your pronunciation of the word Trek. <laughs> I believe a uh, friend of the podcast, John Roderick, is rubbing off off on you. Let's, sure uh, let's go full circle, Ben, and talk about season one, episode two of Deep Space Nine, The Circle. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's part two of a three-part arc, is what it is. It sure is, Adam. And it starts with a showdown in the in the ready room over this change em up that has been affected, where Kira has been taken off of Deep Space Nine duty and Lee Nallis has replaced her. I was under the impression Major Kira's been nothing but trouble to Who gave you that impression? It's kind of an interesting sequence here of of like Actual apology and big city apology and the consequences of those two. Because Lee Nallis is like, 
you know what? I'm just caught up in this thing, and I know you really <laughs> like Kira, but like I'm going to try to do my best. And Frank Langella's character, uh, Jaro, is is like big city apologizing to Cisco, like, yeah, it's politics, bro. Better get used to it. And the consequence of this whole thing is is Kira and her quarters, and she's sort of a uh, one person receiving line to her departure. Yeah, as a she's... stream of friends comes in. She's uh, gotten in the uh, in the pizza fighting outfit to uh, pack up her bags, and her doorbell just—it's like a, it's it's kind of played for comedy. Her doorbell keeps ringing, and more and more people keep coming in to uh, to bid her adieu. It's been a pleasure serving with you. Come in. Will someone please explain this conversation to me? A party! <laughs> for you, I would reduce my catering rate. Not a party. It becomes clear that this abrasive character in. Major Kira Norris, uh, for all her abrasiveness, has really won over uh, the staff, and and they all love her, and they all you know are sad to see her leaving. I mean, and they're expressing this in their different ways. Odo through full blown rage, um, <laughs> and everybody else through normal emotions. <laughs> Quark in a uh, let's get drunk and screw yeah. kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dex has like the the like excuse of bringing by some hand lotion, and Odo's like, "How can you talk about lotion when I'm standing right here? Like I'm not in the room." I'm sure a lot of your uh, roommates on move out day uh, gave you your lotion back, Ben, <laughs> <laughs> on your on your way out of the dorms. Yeah, well, I just have so much. I have a lot to uh, share, as it were. <laughs> a lotion for every occasion or feeling. Yeah. <laughs> a lotion for everything and everything in its lotion. <laughs> <laughs> I like this scene. Yeah. I mean, there it's here's the thing. Like if you're trying to front load a conflict with some ambiguity about its conclusion, I'm not sure you portray the crew's feelings this way entirely because all of them are like you got to fight this yeah you got to fight the man you got to get your ass back on here to a person no one is treating it as the goodbye that maybe if a few of them did would serve the story a little better i think (laughs) yeah nobody is writing for oh you get what you get you don't get upset (laughs) right right or O'Brien going like, "Hey, can I change places with you? You could become like the head of engineering or something, and I could I could leave." I mean, one show that did that great was TNG when they sent Picard and Worf and Beverly to that Cardassian planet, and they they installed Captain Jellico, and right. it seemed like they they revealed that transfer of of power and transfer of personnel really well, where it really felt like for a time it might be the end of the show as we knew it. Because the other thing is like. You have to wonder, like, does first-run audience of this think that Lee Nallis is really being set up to be the main cast character from now on? And I don't feel like that reads, you know? Like, I don't think that anybody's, like, watching this episode going, like, wow, it's going to be weird, like, not having Nana Visitor on the show anymore, you know? If you're someone who watched TNG and recalled uh, Tasha Yar dying in the first season, I think you might be girded a little bit for the idea that a main cast character might leave so soon. Yeah, I guess so. 
The uh, this scene ends with Vedic Burial showing up and offering Kira an all expenses paid spa package at the uh, Bajoran monastery that he lives at, and uh, this is uh, something that that she accepts. She she needs a vacation. Check out the big balls on Vedic Burial, like basically asking her out in front of all of her friends. Yeah, that dude has uh, that dude is so like. Is so at peace with himself in the world. He can just walk in and ask for what he wants. Yeah. It not me. <laughs> um, I think like right around this time, we've got uh, Jake calling his dad down to the uh, down to the crew deck. And uh, somebody has painted Yankee Go Home on the door to Cisco's apartment. We only see this uniform once, but Jake makes the call to his dad, and then his dad comes down to to their porch, and Jake is wearing what looked to me like a pastel Superman onesie. <laughs> like, it's it's got these weird cutouts in it that looks like there could be a, like an S shield on the front. <laughs> what is he wearing? What Feels is like he wearing? The Jake Sisko story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, give us the three-story arc about about how he chooses his clothes. <laughs> yeah, do you think Jake is ever like uh, like going to the dance and Cisco's like, Jake, you can't wear that. <laughs> it's too much nuck. <laughs> too much nuck. I'm not letting any any son of mine go out and start revealing nuck garmentry. You know what he kind of looks like is uh, what's that guy in uh, the Avengers with the? You're talking about the Iron Man. With the treasure troll charm in his forehead. Oh, the, in his forehead? Yeah. I don't know. I think we're bad nerds for not knowing this, but I'm not a real comic book movie person. Imdiba. What is that fucker's name? I feel like it's a... Oh, Paul Bettany. Jarvis slash Vision? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, deep cut, Ben. I, I don't know. He's like one of these guys that's just like in the in the Avengers... Whatever the most recent Avengers movie was, and uh, I saw him again in the uh, trailer for the new one, and I was like, I have no idea what that character is. Did you see uh, Black Panther yet? I did see Black Panther. I also saw Black Panther, and we could go on and on about what we thought of that movie. I really liked it. I did too. But fucking Marvel movies do that thing where they give you three sequences in the credits... And oh, you know, I didn't stay for the credits. Well, I don't think you missed anything, Ben, because I did, and I didn't understand what they were getting at. And the fucking kids in the row behind us were like, oh, that's so-and-so from uh, <laughs> from the Captain America movies, which was a branch of this Marvel tree that I have not watched. I haven't seen any Captain America movies. I haven't seen any Thor movies. Shit. And I guess he was associated to both of those. I saw that movie with our pod daddy, Jesse Thorne. And uh, <laughs> when the credits started rolling, we just like got up and we're like, that was fun and left the theater. <laughs> Evidently, that's such a trope for Marvel movies that people got up at the end of Black Panther and people were like shouting them down in back it's into the seats. It's not over. Yeah, yeah. I took a ride in a popular uh, gig economy ride sharing app uh, oh, sure. the next the next day, and um, my driver happened to be a black man, and uh, he had seen the movie the night before as well, and uh, shared with me how meaningful it was to him to like see a movie with a mostly black cast being heroes like he 
feels like he felt like you know he's lived his whole life waiting to have a hero that he really identified with and that it was like a really transcendental experience for him and that he like woke up the next morning feeling like there was almost a weight off his shoulder because he could like he could see himself in a hero and uh i thought that was really remarkable i hope i hope it's a i hope it's as meaningful to a lot of people as it was to him let me ask you a question ben did you bring it up or did he uh it was the first i got in the car and he said you see black panther (laughs) that's good because the thing i had playing in my head was you getting in the car looking at the driver and going black panther huh (laughs) pretty great movie like like totally uh i'm cool i'm cool i saw it as well i saw it as well (laughs) like totally uh like the dad from get out right (laughs) i would have voted for him a third time right (laughs) no i uh did you go to the americana to see the film and i think i'm asking for our our listening audience uh did you run into a certain frenchman while while watching it no, uh, I I suggested we go to the Americana to Jesse, and he did not uh, did not cotton to the idea particularly. Oh yeah, and I said, well, Jesse, the advantages of the Americana are one, there's no way we can deceive ourselves that we're not living in Southern California by going to the Americana, <laughs> and two, they have Din Tai Fung there. And, and uh, uh, God, there's like a J Crew right there. Like, yeah. what could be more convenient for Jesse Thorne? <laughs> I don't think it, Jesse wears a lot of J. Crew to be no, honest. Adam. I know that. I absolutely know that. <laughs> that would disgust him. The idea. Yeah, he's like he's like Brooks Brothers or Up. Yeah, he is not an off the rack gentleman. No, he's an he's an off the thrift store rack. But uh, but I don't, I don't get the sense that Jesse is doing a lot of like new clothes shopping. Yeah, for the most part, I feel like he mostly thrifts. Just like our other friend, John Roderick. Our only other friend. So this graffito is the big yellow circle that yeah. uh, that we've grown familiar with over over the last two episodes. Again, not it's it's more threatening that it happened to his front door than the symbol itself. Yeah, this is like a first draft of a symbol, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's it's really uh, nothing nothing too memorable about it. I think I'm just gonna say it. I think it's a dumb looking symbol. Yeah, it's a dumb looking symbol. You're not wrong. Yeah, not a fan. So we get a scene where Kira like takes a takes one last walk around ops, and uh, it uh, it is not the, the earned farewell uh, that Picard had that uh, <laughs> that time he had to say goodbye to the bridge. I was thinking that myself, like as we talk about how her friends told her that th- that she'd be missed and that she should fight, and also yeah. these single and, her, and like her having to realize through that that they are her friends. Like she yeah. hadn't even admitted that to herself. You needed four seasons of TNG to earn that, and they and I. And part of the reason this felt so flat to me was that like after a single season, I was not ready to engage this on the emotional level that it that it wished we did. They give us the single brass instrument of sadness, but even that right. then couldn't, <laughs> couldn't conjure the tears. Well, also, like, I think that this has been a, a place primarily of conflict for Kira. Like, she hasn't, right. she hasn't ever liked the fact that she's stationed here. 
You know, she hasn't ever been like, this is the job for me. I fucking love you guys. Uh, and and while Picard never voiced anything like that, he definitely... Not until the finale of the entire series did he right. voice that. <laughs> but he lived the truth of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. the bridge did feel like Picard's home in a way yeah. that the op section does not really feel like Kira's native turf. Odo mentions to her in the condo that, you know... <laughs> You're a you're a hotshot detective that doesn't follow the rules. <laughs> and that's and that's your brand, baby. And yeah. the more other people describe her, I'm not you're sure. You're a renegade, but you get results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they talk And you're about coming the- back for one last job <laughs> before you get out of the game for good. <laughs> This is another way that they don't earn the moment is because it's talked about. Odo's like, you remember all those all those missions we went on, like cracking some cardi skull and kicking ass? Like those were the days like looking wistfully out the window. Like to hear this stuff and not see it prevents us from fully engaging the gravity of it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're maybe they could have cut like a little montage of <laughs> Of uh, past, you know, little, uh, little like roll in the clip show device, put it on our head, show like five or six examples of get of some Kira. vitamin C graduation song up in there. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Another turning point of work stuck in the road. <laughs> <laughs> God, um, <laughs> friend of the show Dave was telling me about the last Friendly Fire that we did that came out where you did the impression of uh, of the guy at the end of 60 Minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who, I, who we couldn't think of the name of at the time. Yeah. And I, and I still can't think of the name of. And what I told him was, like, I am so envious of your ability to just launch into an impression that you aren't sure you can pull off. You're, t- like, you're thinking Andy Rooney. I'm thinking Andy Rooney. That like that, yeah. that impression of Andy Rooney, like, I, I'm hoping you answer me honestly here. Have you ever done an impression of him before you did it on that show? No, and I, I as That's I recall... That's comedic bravery, man. As I recall, I got about half of the way into a sentence and then realized I didn't really know what Andy Rooney would say <laughs> about anything. <laughs> Oh man, this is too much pod on pod. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, Kira gets on the lift and uh, and and it goes down. It goes down to Bajor. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so we have this passing of the baton. So Lean Alice is uh, is now in the Kira Norris job, and Kira is trying to find some serenity. Like we find her very angrily attempting to rearrange stepping stones in a stream on Bajor. And uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm not a particularly spiritual person, but even I can tell that that's not how you find inner peace. <laughs> <laughs> I had a real problem with uh, with Vedic Burial's seduction technique here, Ben. <laughs> a little on the nose when he steps into frame and says, "Perhaps you'd rather try your hand at woodcrafts," and then like puts his hands on his waist, like. As if to present his uncut Bajoran cock. It's crooked. And yet, it seems to be, it seems to go over her head. Like, she's so, uh, she's, she's so upset that, um... Uh, she his, doesn't his watch initi- porn for the dialogue, because right. that's, that's yeah. straight out of that. She skips that part. 
<laughs> but did you get this vibe the entire time? Like he is, it's all seduction. It's not about Kira at all. And I don't know why she feels so inclined to, to believe that it is. You know, you mean you mean the. I feel like her character's truth is that she's down there to get spiritual, and right. Vedic Barai's, Barail's deal is to seduce her. But I feel like Kira is smarter than that. Yeah, she knows she's been sidelined, and that's super frustrating for her. That's that's the ultimate lady boner killer for her. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like, I'm not in the mood for sex. I'm pissed off about the fact that. I had a pretty cool career going, and now, like, forces that are entirely above my pay grade have conspired to take me off the field of play. She's had a crazy couple of days, huh? She yeah. goes behind enemy lines, get, gets Lee Nallis, pretends she's a hooker. <laughs> now this Come, priest is trying to bang? Yeah, now she's banging priests. <laughs> pretty um, wild. She even has a, a an orb experience, which I think is her first, and... Yeah. Uh, it's interesting it's interestingly incoherent and not it's you know you can't quite take as much meaning from it as the uh profit orb experiences that Cisco has had or at least when Cisco has had them he comes out like fairly sure of what he should be doing also show- he usually doesn't make like Usually the profit orbs don't make Cisco be nude for half the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that they made Kira do that uh, that happens all the time is she she turned to camera and went, "Ow!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has a very steamy religious experience here. I think DS Nine handles dream sequences so much better than TNG. I feel like 90% of the time that was Data's dreams, though, so who even yeah. knows, man? It is a cellular peptide cake with mint frosting. Those felt very clunky and on the nose, yeah. and there's a fair amount of ambiguity to to what she's seeing. Like, it feels more dreamlike than, than what we've gotten before on the other Star Trek shows, so I think they did a good job here, but you're right, it's a mishmash of of Dax and Vedic Wynn and Vedic Burial. And there she's uh, she's in the middle of all these people who appear to want something from her. And then Burial shows up nude and wants something else from her. And then, uh, and then Kira's nude also. And they sort of, he takes her into his arms in a kind of uh, cover of a romance novel pose. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh... And like she, she like lifts her head up, and you can see that there's sweat dripping down her, her throat. It's really intense. Like they, I wonder if they like misted them down because he's pretty sweaty too. I don't know what it is about the fidelity of of my copy of the episode, but I didn't grok the sweat. There's sweat, baby. <laughs> Trust me, there's sweat. Have you ever had to sweat an actor down? No. Um, the yeah, number I'm of times in my career that I've like actually gotten to direct actors is uh, not that many. Yeah, yeah, me neither. It's always uh, it's always about breaking out the powder. Got to get uh-huh. that shine off. Yeah, right. You don't want people to look sweaty for the most part, unless they're nude in a dream sequence. Right. In which I'm not case, shooting it looks too many great. of those, Ben. <laughs> Come to Fort 
So Quark bursts into Odo's office and is like, man, we got to cut and run. It's over. What are you talking about? Everything. Bajor, the provisional government, the Federation being here, all of it. We got to leave. Like the, the planet down there is is about to consume itself. Yeah, I love the idea that Quark is like is looking around and is like, this is about to go sideways. I got to go tell my buddy Odo that <laughs> it's time to get out of here. Yeah, and... I mean that may that's a continuation of a thread that began in the first episode of this three-parter which is like Quark is really trying to get on Odo's good side and and really trying to engender some some good feelings between them. I guess this is something that a friend does to to uh help out another friend. I mean if he truly cares about him he wants Odo to leave too. Yeah. And uh no good deed goes unpunished, does it, Adam? No, because uh <laughs> That earns him a field promotion. <laughs> he's a, he's pinned a star to one of Quark's giant ears. Deputy Quark. I mean, he wears so many vests already that I feel like he's ready to be a sheriff's deputy. Yeah. I like that it's Smash Cuts and it's the uh, that Bad Boys song and then it's just a bunch of, uh, bunch of shots of Quark taking down nude men that are running away from him. See, when you said the Bad Boy song, I had uh, I had the Wild Wild West song stuck in my head. <laughs> because here's my thought: where my thought process went. You said Bad Boys. I thought of Will Smith from the film series Bad Boys. And right. then I thought of Wild Wild West. Wow. Also of, of the Will Smith. That is complicated film, and wrong. <laughs> film oeuvre. Like I skipped over the song you referred to completely. I believe in improv they call that going A to C. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Odo has been c- communicating with security dudes down on Bajor and has formulated a theory that the arms that the circle are using to um inflict violence on uh the surface are coming from dubious places and in fact like every time Bajor is described in this episode, it's described as being like extremely chaotic and violent right now. And, uh, and like a not safe place to be at all. Like the, the station feels, uh, at a remove, but, um, when they talk about the capital city, it's like beatings and shootings and like guns everywhere. And it's super crazy and chaotic. And like members of the government are getting their asses kicked by the circle. And yet, you know, when, uh, uh, dubious arms was my high school yearbook superlative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you were uh, you were in that picture of the uh, of the weightlifting club, but just yeah. like way off in the in the one corner and not not really with the rest of the group. That is a great name for a uh, for a workout club, right? <laughs> dubious arms. Yeah, it's it's funny though because like when when we go to the surface it's always in the super bucolic and peaceful grounds of the monastery so yeah it's it there's a monasticism to that scene and then there's also the ultra corporate look to to where the government lives 
I hate being told that a planet is in chaos and not seeing any of it. Right. It's uh, it's way too much tell, not enough show. Right. Kira and Bryle are like walking around in this in this parkland. I guess we should say Odo and Odo and Quirk formulate a plan to get to the bottom of where where the guns are coming from. And we cut back to the monastery grounds and Bryle and Kira walking around when they are surprised by none other than Vedic Wynn. What a pleasure to come upon such a flowing exchange of spiritual harmony. Uh, Vedic Wynn is doing that thing that she always does, which is like that hostile niceness. Yeah. She says something that really made me laugh here, Ben, which is something yeah. that you and I have discussed quite a bit. She's like, you know, you can stay as long as you want. Days even, maybe even a week, if necessary. <laughs> She's really ben, setting limits while maintaining the veil of niceness. And that that's our three-day rule, Ben. Right. We've talked about it a bunch. That's mm-hmm. what the three-day rule is for. Yep. If somebody's going to stay at your house, set a hard limit at three days. You don't have to tell them why. Yeah. You could tell them that you have a thing and be as yeah. specific as that. I am telling everyone with the, in the sound of my voice, you can limit a lot of conflicts in your life if you prescribe to this three-day rule. It's a great rule. I'm glad you told me about it. I highly <laughs> recommend it. Ever since I started living that three-day rule lifestyle that you put me onto, Adam, my life has been way better. Ben, how would you like to work with your friends and family? <laughs> Earn money from home without <laughs> lifting a finger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> one thing that um, came out in this scene, she's a, she's a little salty that Barile helped himself to the orb and just let Kira look at it. And they refer yeah. to it as the third orb. And I remember in the pilot episode, Cisco is given an orb and said, there are eight orbs. The seven others are in Cardassian custody. You got to get them back. And uh, and that seems to have stopped being the story at some point. Did I miss mm. something? You sound like someone who wants to read and respond to a lot of email. <laughs> I don't. I, just, I really take, don't. I'm going to take the side of the of the person writing those letters and say, I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> I don't think so, Ben. Yeah. But but I have no idea. Quite well, honestly. actually. <laughs> I feel like uh, Vedic Burial is just as annoyed at Wynn as anyone else. Like, it's, it's oh, not yeah. like... He hates her. It's not like Wynn has her fans among the Bajorans. I think she's universally, like, uh, school children and parents of school children notwithstanding. <laughs> like, I, I feel like people look at her kind of askance, and, sure. and they don't really like her attitude. Yeah, I kind of wonder why nobody ever calls her on her one thing. And right. says, like, Vedic Wynn, you always couch things in such nice language but it, there always seems to be barbs, <laughs> you know. Just just name the game and see see what she says. Yeah, no one ever tells her how much she she sucks, right? <laughs> I feel like people were more direct with Loxana Troy than they are with Vedic Win. Yeah, at least people rolled their eyes in front of Loxana. <laughs> right, right. 
So I think it's around this time that Cisco heads down to the planet and meets General Krim, who is the Bajoran militia leader who is trying to like hold the hold civil society together with his two bare hands, basically. And it's it's kind of an interesting interchange because Cisco offers the you know, the general like, hey listen, like we've got some pretty interesting intelligence that these guns might be coming from uh Cardassia. Do we know that yet? Quark described the Krusari's arms as as dubiously obtained. Right. And I think the subtext to any sort of armament in this context is is probably Cardassian adjacent, if not directly Cardassian. So so when uh, when Odo ratifies himself and stows away on the ship, that's <laughs> that's what he finds. Right. Yeah. Any uh, any treaty has to be ratified, and so too any arms deal. He could be anything, <laughs> and yet he's frequently the rat. Yeah. Um, maybe that's just his kink, man. A rat with googly eyes on it. <laughs> The other thing is that uh, Cisco is asking the general for a favor, like, hey, my girl Major Kira got moved down here, and, you know, we really like her up on the station, and if she could get reinstated or stationed there in some other capacity, that would be cool, but just any, like, cool job for her at this point would be appreciated, because... Uh, I like her a lot, and uh, I think it sucks that she got taken out of the taken out of the game. And the general really respects that Cisco didn't try and use the Krasari information as leverage for the the Kira play. And it's like it's one of those. I, f- I feel like this is great writing because it's like it maybe, maybe wouldn't even occur to a Starfleet to use information as currency because they're so unused to using currency yeah but i mean i might take the the other side of this argument in saying that what this foreshadows is when that favor is returned and that moment can feel far more satisfying if it is not foreshadowed and instead referred to in that moment down the road right yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I liked the moment, and I liked that it kind of ends with respect knuckles against these two characters who you can feel the tension building between. Right. Yeah. Um. It's a it's a cool way for a like it's a very Starfleet way of of addressing somebody who has the potential to make a lot of trouble for you. It's just like, hey, like full respect, eye to eye. Here's here's kind of what I hope will happen. Yeah, and you know, for all the professional courtesy they show to each other, uh, I think it's useful to remember that Cisco doesn't have a lot of power here. Right. Like he's going down there to see what's up. He's also there to ask a favor. He doesn't have a lot to give. And and this this leads into scenes that happen toward the end of the episode. Just just what are his choices? I think he's seeing those being reduced at a pretty rapid right. pace. Yep. Uh, it's like getting toward the end of a game of solitaire and realizing you are not going to finish your game of solitaire. Right, right. He goes and, uh, you know, tells Kira that he's still riding for her, and uh, 
he likes her monastery vestments. Hmm. And then he, like, the second he leaves, she gets grabbed by faceless Jawas and, uh, and abducted off to, uh, to the Star Trek caves. The Jabberwockies are back, but a lot of people argue that they've never left, Ben. Right. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking in a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Oh, I don't use the bucket anymore. And this Star Trek cave scene, it is revealed that Minister Jarrow, who, I, for some reason, like, anytime somebody said the name Jarrow, I thought they were saying General, and whenever they said General, I thought they were saying Jarrow. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but I kept getting confused about who people were talking about. Um, but uh, Jero is uh, is the is the force behind the circle. In fact, he is the circle. I am the law. When you cast Frank Langella, I think like he's never going to play the role of of the good guy. You know, <laughs> like I can't remember. I can't remember a role of his where he has. He's always either Dracula or a peripheral bad guy. Right. And so this reveal also was not entirely surprising, but but what what's great about it is his performance. Like yeah. Langella Langella's the shit out of this. <laughs> and when he takes the high ground in those caves and reveals himself out of the shadows, like that's deeply satisfying in a way that when you're him, you, that's what you get to do. One time Frank Langella played uh played a good guy was in robot and frank have you ever seen that movie no i and god that was at a that was at sif a couple of years ago and that was one of the ones i wanted to see but just didn't it's fucking great um it's about a uh older man who is you know presume presumably uh kind of declining mentally who's instead of uh his family coming and reconnecting with him they just get him a humanoid house robot who <laughs> he like ropes into some fun hijinks and schemes and it's written by chris ford who listens to our show and is a friend of the greatest generation what yeah highly wow. recommend the movie robot and frank to anybody who enjoys uh, thoughtful and funny sci-fi wow i'm going uh, not just because he's a friend of the show, but I will go out and, and see that immediately. When you started describing the story, I thought you were going to get into some real Lars and the Real Girl vibes there. <laughs> yeah, they bang all over the house. Elderly widower Frank Langella <laughs> is lonely. <laughs> I'm so lonely. I have no one to spend time with. That's when his friends chipped in and got him a real girl. <laughs> Skip fifteen if you're if you're worried about spoilers, but uh, it's a, it turns into a heist movie. It's really fun. <laughs> cool. And the few fucking pricks move, and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. So Frank Langella is hanging out in the caves with um, with the Jabberwockies, and they say to Kira uh, a thing that dovetailed a lot with a guy. That uh, in India who was denying me a uh, an extra seat on an airplane that I was trying to buy when he said uh, the British left a lot of things specifically the, <laughs> their bureaucracy and I was like you say that like it's a good thing no one despises the Cardassians more than I major but we did learn a few things from them 
like how to encourage people to talk. So we're going to now torture you. And this is something that O'Brien has stated his thoughts about many times over. Yeah, they uh, they wheel her into a room where there are four lights. <laughs> I mean, we never see them, but we can assume, right? Yeah, she's got a she's got to eat. What's the egg that you eat with a hood on your head? Oh, yeah. B- balloon. <laughs> she, they wheel her into that room with the lights. She's got to eat the balloon. Yeah, there's a. It's a bunch of, like, more mental torture happening. Right. But, yeah. And that implant with the uh, the universal remote. Right. I love Nana Visitor. I don't think there's any question about that, but were you surprised at how she played this scene? Like, Jero basically says, I'm going to torture you now. And she basically, like, she does nothing. I was expecting her to go ape shit in there. Yeah, like, start, start throwing some shit and, like, get into a Star Trek fight with people trying to escape before she's subdued. Yeah. But that it sort of fades to commercial was very dissatisfying for me, especially when we've spent so much of the episode talking about, you know, what a badass Kira is. All her friends describe her as such. I mean, maybe maybe her blissed outness in the gardens with uh, with Vedic Burial sort of... <laughs> It softened her up too much. Yeah, that's that's what it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, you can uh, mentally edit in a, a cool Star Trek fight in that in that scene. That's right. I can do that. I will. Yeah, baby. much better. Up in the station, they're like just finding out that Kira is missing, and they're they're talking over, you know, like, oh, you know, how do we figure out where she is? And Quark barges into Ops, and it's like, hey guys, I've got some news too. And they're like, knock it off, Quark, get out of here. And uh, and Quark says, fuck you, Quark. <laughs> no, listen, uh, I'm I'm Deputy Quark now, and I've got news from Odo. He went and he went and ratified himself and observed an arms trade. And uh, and we know where those where those weapons are going, man. Yeah, and so now for the first time, everyone's on the same page about where these weapons have come from. Yeah, it's the the Cardassians are sort of doing a uh, like a a backdoor destabilization of the relationship between the Federation and Bajor. They're like it's a Putin level dirty trick where. If Bajor stops trusting the Federation, the Federation will have to go, and then Bajor will be weak again, and the Cardassians can come back, get their space station, and get a bonus space butthole that they didn't even know about last time they had that space station. It's a chilling comparison to a contemporary problem, Ben. It really is. Kind of wild. So they mount a pretty cool Star Trek rescue mission, a lot of... uh, a lot of fun phaser fire, a lot of, uh, you know, different guys getting beamed with energy weapons in the Star Trek caves. Um, Lee Nellis More does a- off-camera action, too, because you know Kira's been tortured because you see her fucked up face. Right. And you hear her screams, but you don't see it happen. Right. And again, like, I want to feel something for her that's you bigger than what they- You know how many lights they- she thinks there are. Right, right, like- I love her, but they got to beat her up, I think, for for it to get super dark in the way that I think it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like five minutes of of show in between her getting abducted and getting rescued, 
right. no kidding. <laughs> it's like yeah. that little amount of time. Like it's the like we get the entire Frank Langella monologue about him being an evil bad guy, the entire, you know, debate about, you know, where she might be and and what happened, the reveal that the Cardassians are behind the whole thing to to the gang and the rescue and like she's back in six bay <laughs> in five minutes. <laughs> you know, if we're starting, if we're talking about story efficiency, I mean, this that is, is like show disco that, level story density. <laughs> they've already committed to a three episode arc. What the fuck is the difference between going for a fourth episode? Like, yeah. let it breathe a little bit. Maybe Langella's paycheck. Oh yeah. I bet the, these episodes cost a little bit more than your average. Absolutely. Yeah. Strike that from the record. <laughs> Got to stack those Langella bucks. And so then we get a, like a full on conspiracy scene between Wynn and Jero where they are talking about their plans and like, he's going to be the leader of the Bajoran government. And she's going to be the leader of the Bajoran religion and they're gonna like help each other get into power by whatever means necessary and if she gets to be the kai then he gets to be, you know like they they're linking their fates and really like twirling their mustaches the entire time are jero win fucking it is kind of implied that their relationship is more than just professional i most definitely felt that way Part of it is how they frame them, because they walk around each other the same way as Vedic, Baryal, and Kira do. Well, and it's also like sunset, and they're always, yeah, yeah, it's like very telenovela, the way they're always like both looking in the same direction, but one is, you know, way in the foreground and the other is in the background. There's so much blocking in this fucking episode. Everybody is always like walking from one part of a set to another and then turning and saying a thing. Like that scene in Kira's quarters at the beginning was like the rehearsal of that must have, they must have gone 25 times before they had all the blocking down. It felt very stage play. Yeah. uh, As, as scenes go for this show. One way I really like that final scene also was like, you rarely get uh, two movie actors in a scene together with no one else on Star Trek and to Mm -hmm. see Louise Fletcher and Frank Langella chop it up for a good, three minutes together was great yeah, very satisfying like they elevate each other in a way that is just really nice to see i'm not diminishing the uh contributions that the many good actors make on this show but like there's a difference there's a difference between decades of film experience that these guys have and yeah it's fun to watch it is really cool um they're like really bringing a lot of prestige to the proceedings yeah. So the button on the episode is uh, Cisco taking a FaceTime from Admiral Chakotay, who, um, for those keeping track at home, is just a white guy and does not appear to have anything to do with the character Chakotay from Star Trek Voyager. Um, and uh, this guy is saying, like, Prime Directive trumps them knowing that there's a criminal conspiracy afoot to overthrow the uh, provisional government on Bajor and ordering the 
withdrawal of all Starfleet people from Deep Space Nine, which uh, <laughs> which is not what Cisco wanted to hear, you know. And one thing we know about Cisco is that he's kind of a master of stalling, right? Like that's kind of his main his go to move is like you know hold him up in space dock or. You know, he's all, he's always stalling. I intend to take all Starfleet instruments, material, in fact, all Federation property of any kind. How quickly can we do that? Well, sir, that'll take days. A week for all I know. Well, I mean, what someone could call stalling, another person could describe as thoughtful. Like, I was, I was pretty blown away at how quickly Chakotay made the decision to evacuate the station. Like, yeah, Chakotay's well, given a the real... factors, go ahead and bail. Real surrender monkey. Yeah, and... God, I would have. You would hope that uh, that the administration of the Federation would take a little time to think about this, but <laughs> but that's what Cisco does, and that's what he that's what he forwards as a plan when he asks O'Brien how long it would take to evacuate, and then he's like, "Well, what if you we know, like literally took everything, every, like down to the last pencil that we brought with us?" You know how you move out of an apartment that you've rented and some of those apartments you're, you're contracted to clean really well before you leave and then the other one you're just able to leave without cleaning? Give me the... You know how give me the, you move out of an apartment and you don't clean? Doesn't really matter. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> you lose your security deposit, Rambo! <laughs> It's like eight days. O'Brien's like, well, yeah, to get a, to get every to get every pad off of the station, to get every uh, every runabout out of here, it's going to take that long. And so that's the plan. He's like, uh, Cisco's like, it looks like uh, not all of us are going to be gone in time. And he squints. He squints to to be continued. Yeah, Riker squint to to be continued. Yeah, a plus. Did you like the episode, Adam? I think it's hard to like the middle of a trilogy. <laughs> Most what about, of the time. Uh, what about Empire? Yeah, I mean, Empire's great. Fucking A. <laughs> All right, Empire's great. Jeez. <laughs> I, uh, for the reasons that I stated before, like, I just, it felt a little flat throughout. You got Lee Nallis as a part of the story that doesn't really offer anything. Uh, you have right. He's so pivotal in the last episode, and this episode, he is kind of a doormat. Right. You have Kira, which should be a very high bullet point in her character story, which is she's tortured by Jero shortly after looking into a prophet orb and and seeing a depiction of her future. Like this should be a pivotal moment in her life, and even that feels flat to me, yeah. given how little we see of her. As a result, and how much she's talked at instead of uh, having her own agency about things. Yeah. And those are the episodes that I really like the best, is when characters act like themselves and and display the agency that that they've earned. And so, I mean, it's not like it's a bad episode, but like the character work isn't as strong as as I like from episodes that I like. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, like, it never feels in this episode like we are being dug into a deeper hole. If they'd gotten it where the station is being is being evacuated and Kira is still 
missing and abducted and presumably getting tortured you know and like and 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 like I want to feel super deep in the hole at the end of this, and I feel like they they got maybe one too many wins before the end. That is for it to feel like that. That's a great rewrite, Ben. Absolutely, yeah. Like like raise the stakes all the way. Ratchet that shit up. I don't want any wins at this point. And, not even and so not far even Vedic wins. <laughs> <laughs> ben, do we have any priority one messages? Hell yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature. And it goes like this. Kapla, Star Trek fans. Pour yourself a hot wrecked Geno and check out advanced sagebrush and shootouts at asspodcast.com It is a comedy role-playing podcast set in an 80s-slash-90s action TV world. Advanced sagebrush and shootouts. It's like the Adventure Zone, except not for nerds. It's for cool Star Trek fans like you. And then parenthetically, it says, please say ASS instead of ass. (laughs) Their call to action here is search for advanced sagebrush and shootouts in iTunes and subscribes or go to asspodcast.com. I'm so glad they were specific about the ass. <laughs> That's great marketing by them. Anybody that listens to our show knows that we're specific about the ass. Man, this sounds fun. Uh, yeah. They have a cool art a, style on their uh, on their webpage too. That's a well-written blurb there because they know their audience by comparing anything to the adventure zone (laughs) yeah that's how we should do our show it's like the adventure zone except uh not a role-playing game and it's about star trek (laughs) and we're like you know a third as funny probably (laughs) ben we have a second priority one message it is of a personal nature it is from james anderson the proposed it is for sarah giffen the one who proposed. <gasps> I remember uh, this. I re- this is a callback, Adam. This is this is an and now at the conclusion priority one message. Yeah. Message goes like this. Yes, I'll marry you. I may be a robot, but I'm fully functional. <laughs> and when we assemble our own Lal, we'll name her Isla. I wonder what Ben's rate is in scarves to officiate. <laughs> also, I'm sorry I let it slip that daddy's nest before we finished season six together five years ago. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, James. <laughs> you just spoiled it for Adam. <laughs> wow. Sorry to any viewers who didn't already know that too, James says in parentheses. Shout out to Griffin. <laughs> Man. James... If if that part gets bleeped, and I actually truly believe it should be, uh, know that I read it, and uh, and know that I'm I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> not not for not for the whole wedding uh, proposal, which uh, was great. And yeah, and you, congratulations, you my... Sarah, for having your uh, your proposal given a yes to. That's. Uh, I know that it's been like at least a few weeks since Sarah proposed, so pretty exciting that uh, she finally has her answer. You have my deepest feelings of of joy for you both. However, 
James. <laughs> the priority one message is not for spoilers. <laughs> and uh, I expect Ben to tell you that in person when he officiates your wedding. I was going to say that Adam and I are a package deal for wedding officiation, but uh, I think Adam is so mad now. That <laughs> you know what the package is? Is that you're the officiant and I'm uh, I'm the flower boy. Adam, I... Uh... I have to apologize. I exchanged some emails with our, our friend Daniel at Max Fun about the spoiler in there, and I said, I don't think we care about spoilers for anything that's only available in standard definition, because uh, he was offering to <laughs> write in and have them uh, edit that for voice for spoilers, but uh, I, I, uh, I didn't realize you didn't know. Maybe you stick it unedited uh, after the end song to the show. Like we play the edited version in the P1, and then if you want to hear what the unedited spoiler is uh, at the end, maybe you can stick around for that. If if you haven't watched Deep Space Nine before and you want to, you know, watch it fresh and then hear our take on it and not have us ruin any of the surprises, uh, you know, don't stick around for after the credits. But if you already know what's coming, do! And uh, congrats, you two, on your impending nuptials. If you'd like to send a priority one message, you can go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. It's a great way to support the ongoing production of the greatest generation, colon, Deep Space Nine. Thanks. Gotta get that, get that, go press that. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase 
of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm giving my Shimoda to Beryl. It's not funny to make fun of, like, such transparently creepy seduction method techniques. <laughs> but I found them I found them personally funny. Like yeah. it, much in the way that Picard shows girls the window as his seduction <laughs> technique. So too I really get the feeling that this is out of a playbook for Beryl, and he always shows girls the box. Like, yeah. like, hey, you want to come? Hey, you know what? You you need to, um, he like rubs her shoulders. He's like, <laughs> wow, you're so tense. Why don't you come stack rocks in my garden and uh, maybe maybe I'll show you the box. <laughs> like as a, as a form of seduction, I don't like him. And what's more is I feel like we are supposed to like him in the context of the show. Right. And I'm resisting that actively because of his uh, sort of scummy techniques here. So I know this isn't a great place to like call attention to that because a Shimoda is supposed to be sort of a joyful example of, uh, of something better than that. But like, I feel like it's also a good placeholder for something that's really an outlier in the rest of the show. And I'm going to use my Shimoda for that. What a weirdo. Weirdo. Uh, my drunk Shimoda is one of the, guys in the circle that is defending the cave when Cisco mounts his rescue operation mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the Bajorans is guns out like he he ripped off the sleeves of of the uniform that everybody else is wearing that's the same so that he could have those arms going for the for the shootout scene and uh, I just love the idea of him like you know, he's living in a cave and going out and doing, like, terrorist actions, but he's, like, looking at his... 
his the circle uniform and he's like you know what this would look you know what would make this look awesome fucking some arms dude <laughs> and just rips him off he's <laughs> not missing off. back and bicep day no no this dude is uh, a lot of fun shout uh, out to all my jim shimoda rats out there yeah love those jim shimodas this guy is definitely one of them what do we have coming up on the third episode of this three episode arc ben well, Adam, I believe we have committed to now reading both the Netflix and the Amazon episode descriptors. Let me... That's a commitment that you made. I would encourage you to read the one that you find best. Okay. Well, the uh, <laughs> the third part of this three-part arc is Season 2, Episode 3, The Siege, Part 3. While Cisco leads a daring last stand against the Bajoran takeover forces... Kira and Dax embark on a desperate mission to reveal the truth about the coup. <laughs> All right. There, there, there's a desperation plenty over these <laughs> three episodes, only I don't really feel it. Well, you know, sometimes it's nice to not feel the desperation that everybody else is feeling, you know? If, uh, if, if anybody was wanting to know how Netflix describes that episode... It goes like this. With less than five hours remaining before Bajoran forces forces are due to arrive, Cisco continues to evacuate Deep Space Nine. <laughs> there it is. If I'm going to vote on all of these, I'm voting for that one. That's uh, great capsule. Real dumb. <laughs> real dumb. Uh, so that's next week. Um, I believe we have a gach.biz slash game to play at this point. Sure do. Do you want to roll the dice this time, Adam? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. I'm always blowing on yours. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, I've uh, I've put the die into one of those Yahtzee cups. <laughs> giving it a good shake. And there we go. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. And my number is one. Okay, well, that puts us on square eight, which is nothing. So, I mean, it's not nothing. It's an episode, man. Sure, we still have to do the show. Yeah. There is no square on here that says skip the episode. That's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, no vetoes anymore. Uh, we want to thank everyone who supports the show by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate, as well as those who uh, buy Priority One messages or any of our merch items on uh, Yeah, Max, on Max Fun Drive Fun is store. coming up. If you are yeah. listening to the show, you know, in real time as it is released. So get ready to uh, to make your support known worldwide. We've got some really exciting stuff planned for that. Yeah, if you thought uh, Crimson Tide episode was exciting, just hold you on wait. to your ass. <laughs> Better hold on to your butts. Maybe we should do a Jurassic Park episode. That would be fun. <laughs> okay kind of random but um we should thank uh that's one great big pile of podcast yeah did did we thank dark materia for our theme music and adam ragusia for more of our theme music than we would ever have imagined uh we didn't but we should we should thanks guys engaging us on social media is something that you can do uh you can also engage each other you can uh you can straight up propose to each other if you want I mean, yeah, that's a that's a thing that happens. Fun, more fun to do a, that in person or via P one. But if you just want to hashtag it, greatest gen and propose to somebody, 
Sure. Go sick. <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Uh, we've got great fan communities everywhere. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with the third of a three-part episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is hopefully not nude and sweaty. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a the naked now episode thing, not a yeah, that's, uh, not a that's just way, regular episode thing. Thankfully, way down the road. Spoiler alert. I wonder what Ben's rate is in scarves to officiate. <laughs> also, I'm sorry I let it slip that Jadzia dies before we finish season six together five years ago. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, James. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.